and welcome to the My Life in Design podcast, brought to you by the Design Community Hub and design-focused PR agency, Red Setter. I'm Claire Blythe, co-founder of Red Setter, and in series one, I'm speaking to 10 people who are shaping the world of design. What first inspired them, how they got started, and then different ways that they formed their career. Hello, it's Gosh Monday the founder of Bulletproof Global Branding Consultancy. And welcome to the podcast. Hello, Claire. Hello. It's really good to meet you. And you. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. So can we talk about why you wanted to be a designer and take you right back to the beginning of not really your career, but your childhood of what interests you in design? How did you, did you even, how did you know it was a thing? Yeah, no, I didn't. So it, it wasn't a thing for mm. me. You know, growing up, I, I didn't know about design. Uh, I was I wasn't good at school. Mm-hmm. I was pretty I was pretty bad at school, and I went to a terrible school, which makes for a very bad combination. Yeah, not a good combination. No, and but I but I did love art, yeah. you know, and uh, I love I love color and form and texture, and I just I was kind of good at that, you know, and yeah. um, so and I had a, I had an amazing art teacher that uh, that, that really believed in me. That but, seems to make all the difference, doesn't it? It's that I keep hearing that time and time again. Amazing art teacher that gives you the one person, mm. yeah, one person. But 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 around the same time as discovering a love of art, I I basically fell in love with um, graffiti, you know, yes. and that became that became my my life basically from about from about the age of fourteen onwards, you know, from about fourteen yeah. to about eight, you know. Oh, tell me about that. Did you do? So hip hop was just kind of emerging, mm. you know, as a as a huge, what I now know as a subculture. But you Absolutely. know, but but back then it was basically you know the the dance, the um, the music, you know, rap, uh, the DJs, and and graffiti, right? As yeah. I, you know, and I fell in love with all of it. I fell in love with the look, you know, the sound, the feel, yeah. you know, and and because I was because I was kind of good at art. I fell into really loving graph, you know, and yeah. um, and I just started to write. So I started to I started to write. I started to um, put up pieces all over, mostly West London. Brilliant, you know. Yeah, Labrador Grove was a big mecca for writers. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Um, and I, I remember doing I remember doing a couple of pieces there, and I, I, I finished a piece and I came back the next day to photograph it, and there was a bunch of kids, you know, and I was the only. I'm not the only like Indian kid there, you know, <laughs> and uh, there are all these there's all these black kids and they're all big and they're all like, what are you taking a photograph of, you know? And I was really cocky, so I'm like, I'm yeah. taking a photo of my work, and they're like, that's not your work. And I'm like, yeah, that's my work. Really? Like, yeah, that's my work, you know. And had to kind of prove because it just didn't they just didn't see that, you know, they didn't see that. You didn't I, look what they expected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't kind that. of yeah, they didn't really sort of that didn't. Yeah, the two didn't correlate, and I started showing them what you know my book and what I was doing, and uh, it was it was great. So became became quite friendly with them, yeah. and uh, so yeah, so really graph changed my life, really. Mm. You know, as as the music did, you know. Um, if you see all the photos, and all that stuff. Yeah, but but it's it's a different time, isn't it? Because now it's really easy, right? You just you take yeah. your phone out and snap. Yeah. Then you you had to have a camera, and I couldn't I couldn't afford a camera. You know we. We we weren't a wealthy family, so yeah. owning a camera 
was a luxury I I couldn't afford. Yeah. You know, um, and let's just say that I didn't I didn't pay for the spray cans either, right? So you know, it's one of these things. I'm 14 years old. You know, yeah, so absolutely. I've got no I've got no funds as it as it were. Yeah. You know? So having a camera. So I've got one or two one or two picks, and actually there's a there's a there's a website that's got a bit of my work on it, just from someone who's collected. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Just just sort of collected the kind of try to capture the. You know the zeitgeist of that yeah, of that particular that. moment, yeah, which I can share. So yeah. there's bits of that, you know, but but mostly mostly no. It's it's been painted over and you know over again and yeah, over again. And over. So yeah, I, I don't think we appreciate how tech has enabled our lives and democratized democratized it and confused us. Yeah, you know, and totally. uh, you know, but um, so yeah, no, I, I don't have a lot. Yeah, mm. yeah. So that, that's how that's what it was. It was kind of one thing into into another. And then, as I say, a, a, an art teacher that um, just kind of had enough belief in me when, I guess, when I needed it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And did they know about your sort of work in the graffiti side of things? Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, they, they knew it because I tried to bring it into everything I did. Yeah. You, you know, I tried to bring that medium into lots of work and he kind of discouraged that because he was like, look, I want to see your use of, you know, your colour and form and light and yeah. shape without without this because he... I think he saw it as a bit of a gimmick, you know, and yeah, okay. he wanted to see really the quality of my my line work or my my site, you know, what, yeah. what am I actually? So, um, so he sort of discouraged that a bit, but really encouraged my art, which was which was lovely because there was no one else at school that was doing that. Yeah, yeah. So, how did you move from being good at art yeah. to deciding that? Well, to finding out about design because I think that's a, a typical stumbling block of people's. Yeah. So, so I got in trouble at school. And yeah. attendance wasn't wasn't great. Mm-hmm. And the sort of deputy head teacher had a chat with my art teacher and just said, "Look, you know, you you know him. You get on with him. Um, have a chat because he's going the wrong way." Yeah. And he did. He, he had a really really good conversation with me. Just sat me down very honestly, you know. And at 15 years old, it's you think you know everything. Or I, I mean, I, I did right. I thought I knew thought I knew everything. And he just said, "Look, you know, you're you're a talented boy. You've got talent." But I've got bad news for you. You know, um, talent's everywhere. And unless you apply it, you're going to go nowhere fast. Yeah. And uh, he encouraged me to think about art as a B-tech, you know, a further education, essentially. Yeah. And at a time when I didn't, when I wasn't interested in education at all, um, and he had a student who had been with him several years before that, and she ran the fine art course at um, Hounslow Borough College mm-hmm. and said, go meet with her, Sean. So I went to see Sean and she said, look, I love your work. I get it, but it's very graphic. Your work is really graphic. Mm. And I, I didn't know what that meant. And yeah. I was like, what, what does that mean? And she was, she was like, well, you know, with graphics, you can, you know, you can do posters. And I was like, nah. And she said, you do brochures. And I was like, nah, not, not me, not me. <laughs> and she said, you know, you can, you know, it's like record covers. And suddenly, you know, uh, a, a light just went off. And I was like, so I can design record covers she was like yeah. yeah and I was like yeah I want to be I want to do that I want to do that so she introduced me to the head of the course and he you know he he put me on the course and said look I'll take a I'll take a chance um your attendance has been terrible but and you can't do that here because you know at school you kind of got you've got to be there here if you're not you're out simple as that yeah. and so you know and I, and I started it and um and I loved it I learned I learned loads was treated, you know, really as an adult, you know, mm. which I which I really liked as well and appreciated. Yeah, as I say, just learned loads of different techniques, 
And it was great. So that really formed the foundation of my my love of what yeah. I call now graphic design. Right? Yeah. So, so was it a graphic design course? Or was it more like graphic arts? It was it was a it was an OND. Okay. Uh, which is an ordinary national diploma right. <laughs> in graphic uh, in design. Ah. Yeah. And then I specialised after that. Well, I went on to do a HND in graphic design and advertising. Right. Yeah. So was that at Hounslow as well? That was at Hounslow as well for two reasons. One is that I was really lazy and it was about a 25-minute walk from my house. <laughs> and two, we had amazing lecturers. Um, yeah. The course happened to be probably top two or three in the country. So yeah. there was there was Lancashire. Um, I had no desire to go to Lancashire. As far as I was concerned, that may as well have been Botswana. Yeah. Um, it was Central St. Martins. I went cool. to see Central St. Martins and hated it. Just, Did you? Yeah, as a boy from Hounslow, it felt very arty. If you, you Did know, it feel um, like kind of elitist arty side. Yeah, of things, and I just, yeah, interesting. I didn't know what like, I, I didn't know what these people were. I remember going in and it was, and this sounds terrible, terrible. There was a kid on a desk with his legs crossed drinking a bottle of Evian. Yeah. And I just had these such negative thought. I was just like, what is this, man? Well, this is not the real world. You yeah. know? So, you know, um, I come, you know, I come from a background of, you know, an immigrant into the UK. Let's just say there's been lots of trials and tribulations, right? Yeah. I've absolutely. had lots of run-ins with police. I've seen lots of things I shouldn't have seen at 15. Wow. And then to be in this kind of quite bougie, you know, art, art kind of world just yeah, felt very different. Yeah, and I, I totally get it, you know, and especially now, of course, you know. Um, but at that time, my view in the world was very narrow because yeah. I'd only experienced what, I, what I'd experienced, you know. And it just felt very, yeah, like you say, elitist. But, yeah, you know, absolutely. And so Hounslow like, just felt felt right, and I really, I really enjoyed it. You know, yeah. we have great lecturers, and I thought I think studying graphic design and also you know typography, specialising in typography because of letter forms, yeah, because of my graffiti dates, right. But also learning about advertising, learning about great ideas and about, you know, how you've got to really think about certain markets and marketing and, mm-hmm. you know, and that's where, that's where our name comes from, actually, Bulletproof. So, okay. know, yeah, so in the graphic design side of things, it was much more about typography for me. That's what I specialised in. Yeah. But in advertising, we were told just to sort of have a wealth of ideas, right? So you'd get a brief, you'd go away, you'd work on it with a copywriter, you'd come back and you'd present your ideas to the whole class. Mm-hmm. And they just shoot your ideas down. The lecturers would just because they were all working in the big agencies. They were all so kind just of, ripped them apart. That's interesting that they were all working in big agencies. They were all yeah. So they they were kind of doing like one day at a time. Just and they would just lay into your work, you know. And it was yeah. quite you know it's quite it's brutal, right? It's brutal, right? So you learn that what they're actually doing is saying you haven't thought enough about this particular market, yeah. this particular audience. You know, you work that's too weak. They'll never buy that. Why would they buy that? And then they go next. You'd hold up the next big idea yeah and they'd tear that down and over time what what you learned was you learned to basically make your ideas impenetrable so they were so well thought out they couldn't rip them apart so wasn't it yeah so essentially your ideas became bulletproof yeah absolutely and you know that's where i met johnny who's um, was it? yeah was one it? of my one of my very very good friends we joined yeah. up with family really and uh, i met him there we met on the first day of the hnd mm-hmm. um, because no one was really getting along um, it was all kind of very, everyone's trying to be very cool. You know, when, oh, yeah, you know, okay. when you're like 18, you're trying, to be, day, yeah, you're trying to be very yeah. cool. And, and everyone, we had, we had a lot of kids from overseas. I, I didn't realize that at the time that the course was so influential. We had a lot of teenagers, a slightly older yeah. you know, people from, from all overseas. And 
it was that whole no one's talking. So the teachers, so one of the lecturers just said, look, you know, for fuck's sake, someone tell a joke. <laughs> and Johnny told the most inappropriate joke. I can't even Can you I remember the joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember it. Yeah, yeah. We still we still laugh now. But Johnny told a joke. He went, Oh, I'll tell a joke. He Is told a, a joke. Not here. <laughs> okay, because not I here. feel, you know, you know, I think. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want people to think bad of me or Johnny, <laughs> you know, or Johnny. So, um, it was a funny joke. It, to me, it was. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and uh, and uh, basically, no one laughed apart from me. So he told the joke. <laughs> there was dead silence apart from me in one corner laughing, <laughs> and, and that was it. That was so. Brilliant. So we basically came together over a um, a very unpc joke. That is a good way to meet. Yeah, and um, <laughs> and he got a little bit of criticism for that. Yeah, which he put straight which was which is great actually and um and we've been we've been thick as thieves ever since yeah that's really interesting mm. that's uh how did you learn about the design industry as such because there's the whole design education side did you go when you were at college did you go and see design agencies and ad agencies and stuff like that yeah we were, we were encouraged in the final year to go out and try and get some work experience yeah you know? um but unfortunately it was it was in the uh the 90s recession so yeah. no one was really interesting i think people were so having gone through a couple of recessions now i understand yeah that it's a it's a bit of a i'd love to help but i'm trying to save oh, totally. my, my business at that's the you know, so, with covid hasn't it yeah, it's, it's really harder to take on junior staff because you really want them to be educated and be part of the team but you have not home it's really hard yeah exactly, exactly so we we didn't really get that experience and unfortunately when we when we left when i graduated mm. there was no jobs and so design week was the the really the only connect between yeah. us being a student and the creative industry as i yeah. understood at the time as you read that every week like yeah. physically arrive yeah we, yeah and so <laughs> yeah and there was half a page of jobs at the back yeah and none of them was for a junior there was nothing there's nothing for a junior yeah. so you know i'd apply to to jobs i had no no right applying for because i just thought well i might as well right just to yeah. see how it goes i'd get a few letters and, and mostly no replies yeah. so you know it was it was a little bit it was a little bit bleak and um my a, a really good friend of mine she she got a job as a typesetter she was also a designer, but she got a job as a typesetter and said, look, the, the one issue you've got is everyone who wants a designer right now wants someone who's trained on a Mac. Right, right? okay. And we hadn't learned. We haven't learned the Mac. What year was this? What's so the, so this, was, this was 90. So this is very early. This is 91. 91, yeah, yeah 1991. Okay. My first yeah. job was I was 98. Yeah. And even then the creative director couldn't use a Mac. Yes. But the people coming through were starting to. That was the... So it's exactly that. So, yeah. they, so they were basically saying, they were basically saying, look, the first one of the first questions wasn't, they wouldn't even look at your book. It was like, can you use a Mac? Yeah. And, and I had spoken to her and she said, look, there is a, a newspaper opening up. And um, it's actually an Arabic-English newspaper opening up. And I know you don't want to do that, but I tell you what they've just got in. They've just got in brand new Macs. Ah. And you could learn as you as you go. So I, I was basically working in, in warehouses. I was doing all sorts of stuff to just to get a bit of money. Yeah. So I thought, yeah, it can't be, it can't be worse than that. So I um I went along and I blagged the interview completely. <laughs> completely because I basically worked out during this 15-minute interview that the guy that was interviewing me had no idea what he was talking about either when it came to the Mac. That's a good thing to know. Yeah, so he and I remember he asked me this question, and I do laugh about it, but he said, 
he was saying, what does this and that command do? So I learned a little bit through my friend. Yeah. She'd sort of taught me a little bit about that. And I remember the quote, he said, he said, what is a baseline shift? And I said, a baseline shift just shifts the baseline. <laughs> that was it. And he went, hmm, like that. <laughs> yeah, and he left the room. He left the room. I had no idea. I had no idea, right? You know, I'd learned baseline, but you know, I'd learned, I'd learned that, you know, yeah. um, through typography, right? So um he left the room and came back and went, okay, can you start tomorrow? And I was like, yeah, I can, I can start tomorrow. So I, I blagged my way into this job where essentially I learned. So we, we, we sort of did test runs of these new sheets every day. Yeah. And then I just stayed behind, you know, just started to learn, just started to learn some basic skills. So oh, that I... Basic Photoshop. Yeah, really, yeah basic, it was basically yeah. Illustrator, Photoshop and Quark. Quark, yeah. No one will know today. Yeah, no, one <laughs> no one knows Absolutely. that today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Completely useless. But, but I learned it, you know, and um, and I think also when, you, when you're quite young, you're so inquisitive, right? And mm. um, it was so new and the kit was fantastic, actually. They'd, they'd spent a ton of money on kit. It was crazy like the like the max were like you know they were like ten thousand pounds wow you know yeah for a quadra 950 i remember it was a quadra 950 you know it was crazy so great opportunity um, yeah so i just learned so i just sat i just i just stayed behind every night Mm. and just started to learn it and then asked lots of questions and uh i met an amazing guy called asif dar who uh, is with me here at Bulletproof. Really? Yeah. That's fantastic. We became very, very good friends, lifelong friends. Mm. And he taught me a lot. He just kind of said, yeah, that's not this. You've got to do this. You know, so just help me. Just help me a lot. And I, and I stayed there for about four months. Um, yeah. And then, you know, I was still applying for jobs. Yeah. And, uh, and, I, and I got a job at a very small design studio called Shoot That Tiger. Okay. Yeah, which um, was the music industry. Yeah. So it was it was amazing. And it was over in Islington, uh, which was very different from this kind of industrial state that I was in for the first four months. Uh, <laughs> it felt creative, you know, it felt it felt great. Yeah. Um, and I I got that job because I think I had this enthusiasm and a love of music, which the founder also shared. Yeah. Um, and I could use a Mac. Seriously, it was yeah. it was that kind of combination that was enough to go, okay, well. Yeah, you've, you've, you've got, got into music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was great. So I got into music, you know, started this stuff. But unfortunately, it was a time when all the LPs, you know, um, that's a long player yeah. for anyone who doesn't. <laughs> all the 12 ring sleeves. Yeah, and they're vinyls now. Yeah, I know. I, buy, I still buy it. I still buy it. But, you know, but everything you have no was, idea what CDs are anymore. Yeah, vinyls, yeah, you're right. Yeah, but everything was becoming CD. Yeah. You know? And yeah, totally. It just, meant, it just meant the record labels were spending less and less money on the creative product. And what, what you quickly learn, right, about any industry is for every one record sleeve you design that's beautifully designed, the typography you spent ages crafting. Yeah. There's like 15 boy or girl bands, right, where you get a photograph and you get to scan in their signatures. Yeah. And that's the cover. And, you, and you've got a day to, to get it out. So, you know, it's that kind of theory and practice. You yeah. Know, you know, so in theory, it's a really creative industry, um, yeah, record labels and what have you. In practice, it's, you're just, that's you knock it out. Yeah, that's loads of... creative now, is it? I was looking at, I went to a Peter Blake exhibition a few weeks ago. I love Peter Blake. And like yeah. going back to like Sergeant Pepper and that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, sure. Ultimate art. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah it um, on. But the great thing was, we had, we had a repro department. So there was, there was 11 designers and, and there was about 10 people in repro. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it was at a time when, you know, you had to really know your, so in order to create a fade, yeah. you know, it was layers and layers and layers of the film. 
you know, yeah. to, create, to create a faith, you know. And so you just learn so much. And it was just this, it was just a great time because people, you just talk to one another, you know, quite quite a lot. You'd sort of troubleshoot on the job, yeah. you know, because the faith hadn't been so, so how can we work around it? And I just, I just love that, you know, so I've just absorbed I just absorbed everything, you know. Um, yeah, brilliant. And then one of my team there, Nigel, left and sort of took me with him. Mm. And I decided not to go to the job he had. And uh, I actually joined Michael Peters. Classic, when, yeah. Yeah, yeah, education. when it was just, well, it was just before he had sort of started it, just um, in Kensington Church Street. I was there for about a year. Yeah. Really brought into to him and his principle yeah. and his way of thinking. I've never met him, but I've yeah. never met him. But love. He was, yeah, he, that sounds amazing. Yeah, lovely, inspirational. Time. Yeah, yeah. Called everyone darling, which was yeah. which is really interesting, <laughs> you know, for a boy from Hounslow. Um, <laughs> darling. Yeah, called everyone darling. It was great. Um, but I was, you know, I was going out and representing our business, you know, flying everywhere. Mm. And I, I, up until that point, I'd probably been on an aeroplane may, maybe once. Wow. Yeah, and then suddenly I was going out to kind of all these sort of Fairly far fun places, you know, yeah. and um, presenting work to clients, you know. So that was that was lovely, but we we grew very quickly and we we lost the culture really of yeah. what I what I bought into, you know. Um, and, and what I decided was that Shoot That Tiger had a lovely culture, a really lovely people centric mm. culture, but we never got we never got kind of global work. Yeah. And with Michael, you know, we got um, amazing global opportunities. But as the business grew, we just it just became you know a very commercialized entity, and we yeah. lost all that sort of cut. And I just thought there's got to be a way of having a business that does both, you know, great, yeah, a really great absolutely. culture, but really fantastic brands which yeah. are global. There's got to be a way of doing both. And so I I left, and that was that was really the genesis for Blue. So that's when you decided to start up on your own. Yeah, two years, just two years of working. Yeah, and honestly, if on my course they taught me about business management, yeah, I would have probably not even done done that. I would have just gone in. That's I always wanted to work for myself. Yeah, I always wanted to have my own my own business, and I was unshakable in that. You know, so I would have done it sooner actually had I had I known about business. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I wonder if that's if. It'd be a good combination to study now, wouldn't it? Have yeah, the art side of it and the graphic side and the branding side, but know what to do in business as well. Absolutely, yeah. So you had, what, £2,000, I believe, from your own savings or something and invested that into the beginning of Bulletproof? Yeah, my, my father was always about, you know, spend a bit, save a bit. Yeah. Right? Always, you know, my, my dad's kind of mentality was really about have some funds for a rainy day kind of thing. Yeah, So and you listened to him. Yeah, because I always knew I wanted my own business. Yeah. Um. I, I just started to put a few, you know, a few pounds and pennies away, really, thinking I'm going to need that, you know, eventually. And it's a very uh, sensible approach. That's yeah, that's, so that's just what I did, yeah, you know, just really kind of, good. so I used, I used the savings we had, basically, my wife and I had. So my, my then girlfriend, now wife, mm. uh, we had some savings and that was all of it. Yeah. Um, I basically used them to set up a very small office on Betterton Street yeah. um, in Covent Garden. Mm-hmm. A place called Garden Studios because because what you know I because of the advertising side of me it's like you know I thought it's a great address it's yeah. a Covent Garden address definitely no one needs to know I've got a room yeah, you know, it's a, yeah you know it's a Covent Garden address so I thought let me yeah so I set up there and most of the money went on a Mac mm. and I had a phone line that they provided and a fax 
believe yeah, it or not. So, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, packs were still a big thing when I started, but yeah, really yeah. weird. I feel yeah, I feel I feel like a dinosaur saying you, but that, but that was our, that was our setup. So a printer, nice, yeah. yeah, exactly. So so that was a setup. So yeah. spend the money, spend the money um on on that stuff and had a little bit of savings, and that was it. So because I, you know I didn't know where the work would come from. Yeah, you know I just knew that I didn't want to poach any clients. I didn't believe in that. I had a really I had a great time at both at both businesses. Yeah. So I didn't want to poach any clients. Wanted to set up by myself and was was you know calling people up, trying to get in to see people, you know, um, blag my way into to anything to try and do some work. So doing so it's everything. Literally there. sitting down with a list of companies you want to get into, calling them up, trying to get in there. Yeah. Weirdly used yellow pages and i've heard yeah lots yeah. of very successful people it's, in business have, have did that in the 1990s cr- yeah because you know this is this is way pre-internet right? yeah so you know i'm not i'm not able to google who so and so is right? yeah and so you know wh- where we were in Benton studios there was quite a few businesses there so i'd go around knocking on the door there and seeing if anyone needed some business cards doing a, yeah you know a flyer a poster yeah a bit of brand work doing you know um, and that was that was cool. Mm-hmm. And then you know, a lot of friends were saying that you know, so and so's got a bar, they need a bit of identity work done yeah. for, you know, um, and, and and what have you. And then I was sending out mailers, right? So the big the big thing then was you you you'd send out a mailer to various businesses. So yellow pages, identify the businesses, call them up, get the right person, and then send them a little mailer to yeah. try and hopefully get them out of their stump, you know, their, their stupor and um get them to see you. Right? Yeah, absolutely. A bit, of, a bit of work. And it and it works. So we sent sent a few out. And it, it was a, it was a good strategy. So it got me in front of some interesting interesting people. And one was a one was an agency called Exposure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember, yeah, yeah uh, still going strong, I believe. Yeah. You know, um, and I went in to see uh, a guy called Tim mm-hmm. Tim Bourne, who uh, who called me up. So he got my mail. He called me up and he said, "Look, we've got a um, a big pitch coming up for um, for Disney Buena Vista." Mm-hmm. I said, "Okay." And he said, look, here's the deal. We're pitching for the work. You pitch with us. If we win it, you win all the work. If we don't, you get nothing. How's that sound? Well, that sounds fantastic. <laughs> so I um, I called up Johnny and yeah. I went, Johnny, listen, I've got an opportunity, man. I need I need you to come on board, help me art direct, help me copyright for an ad campaign. Yeah. We were doing. And it was for the um, it was for the launch of uh, The English Patient. Yeah. Do you remember that film? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was for that. So they were doing the, the release here. And Johnny was like, yeah, cool, let's, let's do it. Came over. We worked a good few evenings and a weekend mm-hmm. on it. Went in with them and pitched and won the, won the whole campaign Brilliant. for them. So, and that was the first really big kind of significant win. Yeah, that's you know, really that good was, Well, then you've suddenly got our churn of... My first job in design was working with um, Warner Brothers. Right, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was doing all, like, Friends and the West Wing oh, yeah, and sure. all that kind of stuff like that. So yeah. similar thing, but it keeps on going after that, doesn't it? So we've just got a whole... That was great. That yeah. was great. But we were working through exposure, right? So we were working through that. And they were great. We we really enjoyed that relationship. And um, and it was at that point I said to Johnny, look, you know, there's more work that I can manage. So do you want to come on board? You know, yeah. Do you want to leave a very well-paid job in advertising <laughs> and come and work with me for nothing? That was literally the pitch. And he thought about it for about five minutes and went, yeah, go on, I'm in. I'm that in. is it's yeah. really good. Yeah, I just said, look, you know, I can give you a share of nothing. Essentially, I'll give you, I'll give you a really good percentage of nothing. Yeah. But if we build it into something, I think we can, we can do really it. well. Yeah. 
And he said, yeah, okay, yeah. And I think that Johnny, you know, Johnny was very talented. And people won't believe that, listen to this, who know Johnny. <laughs> they think he just does numbers. But uh, the boy had talent, let me tell you. The boy could copyright for days. But, but I just don't think he liked the environment. For both Johnny and myself, it's that whole, you know, you know, like, it's never about the money. It's yeah. always about the sort of joy of doing it or the, you know, um, feeling like you're part of something. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, I, and I think that was what was missing. And he was like, yeah, sure. You know, so. I think he, you can sense that now in Bulletproof, just for having a look around the studio today. Yeah, I hope so. Really, yeah. Yeah, really yeah, 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 definitely. So it was just that. So we, we set up. So I, I'd started Bulletproof probably about a year before Johnny came on board. Mm. Um, and there was two of us out of this tiny pokey office in Covent Garden. Yeah. And then we took a third person on, Diana, Diana Yo. She was over from Singapore mm-hmm. and struggling to get a job. Couldn't see why, because her work was fantastic. And I now know why, because she just didn't fit the mould of the uh, the great British designer, you know, right. because she didn't fit that mould. So, yeah. so we were like, yeah, we love your work. We think you're great. Um, so she joined, she became the third person in Bulletproof. So, yeah, That's grew awesome. from there. So you obviously had big plans from the beginning, basically, you thought. No. Really? No, did you just, no. Did you say there wasn't an overall, no, you didn't man. see studios around I the world? Would, you no, I would, I would love to tell you that. Honestly, I would love to tell you that. But I I am, I'm very honest. And no, we had no idea, no clue. I had no clue. You know, remember, I'm an, I'm an immigrant. I'm a boy from Hounslow. Yeah. So I know as much as I know. That's it. All I know is we're doing really well. We've got to work really hard. We've got to make, you know, so I was going to, I was, do, I was basically doing all the kind of pitching in the, in the daytime, doing all the meetings with clients and, you know, um, with exposure and everything. Else. And then coming back in the evening and essentially doing all the work yeah. with Johnny and with, and with Di. Um, so no, there was no business plan. There was no grand am- ambition. Yeah. Um, I just knew that there was, there were certain things I knew. I, I knew that we wanted to be in Soho, Covent Garden, because that's yeah. where all the agencies were. Absolutely. So, but I had no real understanding of it. I just thought that's where all the agencies are. I need to be there. Yeah. That was it, right? So I, I, I wanted that. I wanted a, a nice, a, a really great team yeah. who were just passionate about what they did, right? Just breathe, lived and breathed design. You know, we bought every single design book that came out, you know, and, uh, you know, and yeah. so that, that was it. And I wanted, I wanted us to have a culture where we would, we would kind of work really hard together, enjoy ourselves out of hours together, you know, go out, you know, and yeah. um, eat together for lunch, that kind of thing. So, yeah. you know, because it felt like a home, you'd have to have a sort of home away from home. We were spending so much time, you know, yeah. on, on the work, you know, because of the setup, it wasn't great because like I said, I was going out foraging for the work coming back and then doing the work. Yeah, you know, so, yeah, it was it was long days. Yeah, and weekends. Wow. Yeah, it was it was long. So and that's what I love about Johnny and Di. You know, they just didn't think about it. It was just we were just all in together, you know, doing it. And um so no, there was no there was no grand plan. There was no huge vision at all. All I knew is I thought we'd be 10 people mm. in Soho. That that's what I thought we'd be. Yeah, we'd okay. probably be 10 of us Soho doing amazing work and a, and a really what was important is a real a real kind of diversity of work you know yeah. so from so, some you know branding bit of packaging bit of advertising mm. you, you know so where, wherever wherever it was needed you know the, yeah, the media okay. wasn't really important it was more about the idea yeah so the right company and- yeah so that's what we we're about so we, we were just a great great ideas and yeah um, and i wanted to work with really well-established brands. And what, what Exposure did was they, they had amazing businesses that they were working with, you know, so... That could opened up the... Yeah, 
Yeah, so they're working with Converse, they're working with Levi's, working with, you know, Disney, Buena Vista. So it meant that we could work on these, you know, big global businesses. Yeah, Being a three or four man team, you know. And then once you're working on those businesses, you get the trust and more people believe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so that's that's how we did it. And um, and it was great. You know, we we loved it. And every day you're learning, right? Every day. Every day is a bit of. Yeah, you know, every day you're learning something, you're moving on a bit. It feels like progress, yeah. you know, and we love that. So it was great. Yeah. And did you decide at some point that you needed to move away from exposure or you just started getting more clients on top of that? No. Uh, what happened was exposure basically moved away from us. Right. <laughs> and uh, because I was also, believe it or not, doing the books. Mm. So I was doing the... I was doing all the kind of, I was doing the account management. Wow. I was doing a new business. Then we're doing the creative. And then I was doing the books in the evening when, when I could. And I basically just not, I just started noticing. So I was very close to it. Just started noticing that um, we're billing less and less and less and less. So I just went and had a chat, a very open chat. And yeah. they said, yeah, we are, we have started our own studio. Right. Okay. And so I went, okay. I went, it would have been great if you, told me yeah uh, you know there was a few words exchanged yeah a few of those words had f's and c's in them you know um but we we you know we squared it it was cool and so we didn't go back to square one but it it was it was a real lesson learned because i spent so much time building that relationship yeah you know that when it when it started to wobble i felt it immediately but it was, you know, it was out of my control. And eventually I knew that if we had, if we didn't rectify it straight away, we would probably go under. Yeah. Because we were, you know, it's kind of all your eggs in one basket. And it's that, it's that horrible catch 22 because you put all your, all your, your sort of effort into one client. You mm. know, I hope Tim Boy is listening. I hope he's listening <laughs> to this. Tim Boy, you fucker. You know, and I put all, you know, and so you're sort of tied up to that. Yeah. So I'm so invested that I'm unable to go out and, find new business yeah because i'm so invested in this business doing such great work winning them loads of work mm. and then you know the proverbial rug was pulled a bit gently but it was pulled from under our feet and did so portfolio? well we did we probably weren't allowed but i didn't care i was just yeah. i was just like it's your work well we're gonna yeah it's our work we're gonna we're gonna show it around um and essentially we we had built some small clients outside of that Mm. Um, namely games companies actually IDOS was a big you know um, yeah, a big absolutely. business for us you know Tomb Raider we did all the UK launch for Tomb Raider oh, did yeah, you? yeah yeah because we're big gamers as well you know so yeah, at that brilliant. time you know so so we, we had a bit of that and, and what we did we put together we put together a little mailer you know and it was like a 12 inch record sleeve that, yeah. that, so there was six sleeves that went out to various head, again you know various heads of businesses and honestly it was that it was that Right time, right place. Mm. Luck, pure luck, and it landed on a uh, on a lady's desk at Coca Cola. Really? Yeah. Wow. Called Karen Dyer, and she called us up. Brilliant. Yeah, and it was that. That's was that like the call you want, isn't it? Yeah, and I was. And I had no idea. I was walking down Tottenham Court Road. Yeah. It was freezing cold. It was near. It was about October. It was freezing cold, very dark. Yeah. And I'm walking down Tottenham Court Road. I think I was trying to buy a set of drawers for our office. Because that was, that's what it was like, you know. It was yeah, you know, just what, everyone pitching. Yeah, in, everyone pitching in. You know, if you need, you know, you you know, this set of drawers busted. You got to get a new pair, of new set. Okay, I'll go and buy some. Where's the new yeah. place? Tottenham Court Road. And I was going with Tottenham Court Road. It's just started raining, and my phone. And I had a flip phone because I thought I was a shit. 
So I had a flip phone, you know, it was, real, it was gangster. And a number came up and I had a Motorola flip and I flipped it and I said, hello. And she said, oh, hello, is that Gush? And I said, yeah. She said, hi, it's Karen here from Coca-Cola. And honestly, it felt, it felt like the world stopped. Wow. And I was like, hi, Karen. And, you know, she, she basically said, look, got your mailer, loved it. Can I come and see you tomorrow? With one of my wow. with one of my marketing managers, and of course you say yes, right? Of you, course, yeah, of course you do, right? So, so I was like, I was like, yeah, yeah, of course you can, of course you can. <laughs> and then that so, thing, thinking, how do I sort this out? Yeah, and then you know your brain's going a million yeah, miles an hour. Thinking, yeah. So then, um, you know, spoke to her, it was cool. Put a phone down, had a bit of a breathe, you know, a bit of a breath, and then ran back to the office and went, right, we've got to tidy this shit up because there was stuff everywhere. You know, we had. We had stuff everywhere, you know, like printouts and... Yeah, you're not and, expecting anyone to walk in. No, 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 no. It didn't happen. We were in Beach Street this time. So we were in Beach Street in Soho. Oh, time. nice location. Yeah, we came back and uh, we just tied... We, we also had a deadline that evening. So we had to kind of work that evening, then sort of tidy up. And they were coming in almost first thing the next, oh my the gosh, next day. So, yeah, so it was like that, you know. So they, so they came in and uh, we, we had an amazing meeting, mm. you know. And um, Johnny and I got into a bit of a creative argument in the meeting, a creative discussion around what would you do around the Coca-Cola script? And Johnny was like, well, I'd like to do this. And I was like, no, you don't do anything to the Coca-Cola script. And we just sort of went into one. And that was, they found that very amusing. Yeah. You know, so, um, and we got, we got our first job from, from Coke about, about a week, about a week later. Wow. Yeah. And it was, that was, that honestly was life changing. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, as, you know, being Indian, right. Um, there are brands that you aspire to work on. Yeah. And one of them was always Coke. Yeah. It was always Coca Cola, right? It was just this beat. So for me growing up, again, because of my background, you know, we only had Coke on very special occasions. So you, you moved know, over from India when you were five. Five. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so for us, you know, we I associated Coke with always with good times. Yeah, right. so, so did then, I. We've yeah. had panda cola and stuff like that. That's oh, we never, we never, had, yeah, we, yeah, we had, we had a little bit of that, but really for us, it was, it was really nothing, and then coke on yeah. birthdays, you know, or Christmas, that kind of thing. Yeah, you know? so, absolutely. Yeah, so I've got, you know, I've got loads of photos of me, you know, sort of five years old, six years old, with little birthday cake and loads of bottles of coke. So it's a brand <laughs> that I just, I just love, you know, inspired to, you know, and, yeah. um, and so to work on it felt very, maybe very proud, and um, yeah, I just. You know, and, and the people were lovely. They were just people of COVID, and they were very smart. And yeah, of course. we were learning. So, so suddenly we were in this realm of real marketing. Can you remember the first job you did? The first job was called Flip It Back, and it was a back of pack. So it was a back of pack mechanic. They were trying to appeal to a, a very young consumer mindset, student mindset. Yeah. And they had a, they had a promotion where you, you they had a, a code on the back of pack. So it was called Flip It Back. Yeah, okay. And they wanted all the branding for that on pack. And there was... That's when point of sale was huge, yeah. you know, and so we did all the point of sale. We did a little bit of the outdoor for it, so you know it was a small but influential program that they that they did. So that was the first yeah. thing, and that went really well. They loved it, and then we got a call back from them saying, "Would you like to work on our Christmas campaign?" Brilliant. And that was incredible. Oh, they, Christmas, that's like, yeah. Oh, Christmas, right, is the thing. Yeah. It's the, it's the thing. Totally. Right? Yeah, and, you know, remember, we're, we're, we're a year and a bit into Bullet, maybe maybe a year and a half into Bullet, and we've got a shot at the Christmas campaign. Wow. Yeah, so Karen was going, so she was, you know, and what, what I loved Still about... Still just the three of you at this point. Uh, there was four, there was 
four of us at this point. Wow. Yeah, Di had left. So Di had unfortunately left because her visa had expired. And mm. we we had no way of renewing it. You know, we, we had no idea. Now yeah. we, we've got a whole team that does yeah. that, you know, but then then we did. So Di had been with us for about 18, 18 months. Mm. And so there was four of us. And she came to see us and said, look, we've got, but I want to brief you on this before you come in. And I was like, okay. And she was basically saying, you know, basically, look, this is the, this is the most important campaign for us. All yeah. Year round, right. Um, it's Santa, it's Christmas, it's yeah. Coke, it's holidays are coming, all this kind of stuff. We were like, yeah, yeah, we've got this, man. We've got it. Yeah. So we went to see, we went to see a, a lady called Julia Golden, mm-hmm. who is, who's amazing. And we, we liked her. She liked us and said, okay, guys, yeah, I want you to do this work, but it's got to be the best work you've ever done. And we were like, yeah, it's going to be the best work we've ever done. Yeah. Ever done. And it was great. And what, what we loved about it was we started to learn about Sunbloom and Santa. Yeah. You know, and um, we went into a meeting with, because there was Coca-Cola uh, marketing and then CCE, the bottler. Yeah. And they were over in Uxbridge. Yeah, so and we went to a meeting there because two suddenly there were two separate the companies. Bottling, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we had to go there to essentially get the, the point of sale and a three-line brief. Yeah. And so we went there, and Johnny and I sat in this meeting, and they kept using this term, gondola end. They kept saying, so the gondola end is going to be this, going to be that. And then they were like, so bulletproof, what do you think? And Johnny and I just sort of looked at each other and went, yeah, yeah, we've got an amazing idea for the gondola end, but we're not going to give it away, right? And they were like, okay, cool. I love this. Sounds great. Sounds great. And there's a lady there called Charlie Quarterly, and uh, we love Charlie. We became very good friends. And we, we came out of our meeting, Johnny and I, getting on the tube back to uh, from Uxbridge, saying, what the fuck is a gondola end? How do you find that out? I've got That's no it. idea. I've got no idea what a gondola end is. And because of the sort of size of the campaign for Christmas, there was another lady we met who'd worked at another agency, uh, Mark Holmes' agency, called Mo Doyle. Mm-hmm. She was like, you guys are right. You're doing great. Heard really good things about you. Everything's... We were like, yeah, we're cool. Listen, what the fuck is a gondola end? And she went, oh, you know the aisle? You know the end bit of an aisle? And we were like, yeah. She's like, that's the gondola end. We were like, oh, okay. You know, so it was, you know, she sort of enlightened us on something. And then, yeah. of course, it all kind of, but it was, it was that time when, you know, we were learning, like I said, every day, just sort of learning every day. Yeah. So, but that didn't take away because we were confident we could deliver the campaign, you know, deliver the work. That was just really um, the media that they wanted it on, right? Yeah. That was just the, so... Uh, and we, so we delivered it and it was a fantastic piece of work. Did really, really well for them. Did really well for them. Brilliant. And we got more money on that campaign than we'd probably made all year. God, that's fantastic. Mm. So did that enable the next step up for Bulletproof, was it? Yeah, Coke was life-changing for us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was sort of game-changing for us, you know, because it meant that we had a, a brilliant relationship with a client um, who really cared about creativity. Yeah. Really cared about, you know, being quite original, very different, pushing things, you know, mm-hmm. and loved us, but really bought into us and supported us, you know. Yeah, that's um, great. Yeah. Wasn't so, afraid to be a bit edgy. No, but also really honest. So actually on the Coke campaign, when I when I submitted the initial budget, mm. um, Karen called me up and said, it's too low. You, wow. You need to stick some more money on that because, and she said, look, it's really, she's like, I get it. You guys are, you're young, you're hungry, you're startup, but, you know, at a certain price, it almost looks like you're, you know, it almost looks like you're not delivering the whole campaign then for that, you know, for that cheap, money. No one wants the cheap Yeah, option, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's value option. And that was a huge learning because I, yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So I, again, I just plucked a figure out, out of the air and I stuck £12,000 on it. And she yeah. came back and said, yeah, that's, that's better, much better. But for her to do that, 
when we were kind of two years into our journey yeah, you know, to be so journey. honest right was incredible and I think that's part of of how we got on so you know just so well because yeah. she was so honest you know and um and we were back and I, and I love that so we we basically built our our business as bulletproof off the back of coke really to start with you know? wow so the first few years was all coke-based and they were a big part of our business yeah, yeah. they were probably 50 probably about 50 percent of our business wow yeah, yeah. and then and the other 50 percent was i mean just a a complete mishmash of very very different businesses from a guy who owns two bars to yeah. you know to a gaming company to startup you know it was just very so they, they were our staple you know yeah. they were the guys that kept us on the straight and narrow and you know, when we had when we had a few people that didn't pay because they were taking the piss and they thought they could, it got us through. Yeah. You, you know, and so that really that really helped. It also meant that we could pay our team in regular monthly payments, yeah. which again was a new learning. We didn't we didn't know that. You know, it sounds it sounds very very obvious and basic now, but it wasn't. But not it was, when you're that age. No, no, no. no. So, yeah, 26, 27. You yeah. Know, um, again, no one to teach you. No one to go. You know. Yeah. No one in my family is going. Gush, look, you really need to grade a camp. Gush, you need to try and do this, you know, or the way, you know, so I've got, we've got none of that. So, seeing what happens. Moment yeah, moment Johnny moment. and I are kind of making it up as we go along. We're yeah. sort of, you know, sort of asking one another and it's working, right? So it's not, it's not not working. So we're like, yeah. okay, so it's kind of two steps forward, one back, but you're still making progress. So yeah. that's what it was. Yeah. This brings us to the end of the first part of our conversation with Gush. We'll be back next week with part two. For more information about the Design Community Hub, please log on to www.thedesigncommunityhub.com.